I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Greetings, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Maze and Brew podcast here on mazeandbrew.com. Maze and Brew. I had to say it one more time. Three times a charm, you know. Uh, I am team site producer, managing editor, Anthony Broom. Here for a special Friday edition of the podcast. I know some of you guys uh, would prefer not to hear just from me, but it's not just me today. I think I have a pretty cool interview coming, uh, and you'll hear that here in a little bit, but I wanted to intro that. You're going to hear a quick little commercial from me about our friends over at Homefield, who you know about by now. Uh, but today's show, uh, you know, I've been working on this guest that I had today for a while. Uh, we are talking to Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl. University of Michigan guy. He's going to be working, uh, doing some draft stuff, um, some draft analysis for ESPN. Someone who has NFL front office experience and, and just had a, a week up close and personal with five Michigan Wolverines. And, you know, I think it was a, it's a really good chat. Oh, I'm a little biased in that. You guys will determine that. But, you know, we talked about the the challenges of scouting during a pandemic. We talked about how teams might be valuing their valuing their picks during this process, given that it is, you know, it's a little bit more of a crapshoot. Let's call it what it is. And, and that might be where teams, you know, a team like the Detroit Lions values those two first round picks they got for Matthew Stafford uh, from the Rams above maybe having a second first round pick in this year's draft because it gives you more time and hopefully a return to normalcy in the scouting process to kind of sort all those things out. So we talked about that. Obviously talked about the five Michigan guys that were at the Senior Bowl. Ambry Thomas, Nico Collins, those are the big two given that they were the opt-outs. But Ben Mason was there. Chris Evans was there. Two guys that Jim spoke extremely highly of. 
uh, and Cameron Cheeseman as well. We we did dive into uh, special teams and, and how that factors into the Senior Bowl too. So we talked about that. A lot of cool things covered, and Jim thought I was going to go down a negative road with a question at the end, but I didn't. I turned it into a positive. I you know kind of put him put him his feet up to the fire about uh, the program that he or the school that he came from and the current state of affairs there, but. I think he handled it like a champ, and I think I uh, I prevented him from going down a road that maybe neither of us wanted to go down on the show. So that's what you're looking at in today's show. It's about a you know 25, 27 minute chat. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. I think there's a lot of great stuff there. And if you're someone who's kind of wondered about what the function of the Senior Bowl is compared to the NFL Combine, compared to you know in-person meetings to pro days, I think that Jim who I believe this is his third year uh, heading up that game. I think he did a really nice job of illustrating why that is such an important event and how it does set a tone for the rest of the offseason for those guys that uh, do wind up going down to Mobile and spending some time down there. So, all right, so coming up next, you're going to hear a quick little PSA from me on our friends over at Homefield, a quick commercial break from some of our sponsors here on the SB Nation Podcast Network, and then we will get into the Jim Nagy interview. So enjoy. Hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, HomefieldApparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota state gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, the Mason Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everyone. We're here with uh, Jim Nagy, who wears a number of hats. He is the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He's a draft analyst for ESPN. He's worked in NFL front offices. And above all else, uh, a U of M alum, a Traverse City guy. So you're one of us, too, and we're happy to have you here. So thanks for your time and coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
Oh, no problem. Uh, to start things off, obviously things are, are nuts everywhere right now with the pandemic and the scouting cycle is massively altered due to what's going on. Just kind of give us a rundown of how you felt this year's senior bowl went in, in this new and different landscape. And, you know, with some of the protocols in place, this event kind of took on a little more importance uh, than maybe it normally does not saying it's not important already, but uh, do you feel like both players and front offices got what they needed out of it? Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit of a different year. Um, not, a, not a little bit different. It was a lot different. I'm um, just trying to work through the process and coming up with a, you know, a plan to get everyone here safely, get them through the week safely. So to see all that come together was, uh, is really rewarding now that it's in the rear view uh, to get everyone here and, administer over 3,600 COVID tests during the week. That's all NFL guys being tested every day, all the players every day, um, and have one positive test was, uh, was awesome. It was uh, great to see our, our staff come together and, and pull it off. And, uh, you know, the, the NFL is very grateful. We made it happen for them. You know, it's going to be a weird cycle for them the rest of the spring. They're probably not going to be in front of any players. And then it was uh, the players were all very grateful, too, because they know kind of what's in front of them, that it's going to be a, a different year without without the combine and pro days being, you know, greatly affected as well. Uh, we just really wanted to make sure that we pulled off our event and uh, tried to bring as much normalcy to this draft process as we could. Yeah. And this event that you you know have been overseeing can be one that, you know, can make or break a lot of guys before they even get to that next step in the process. So. Uh, what sort of spotlight do you feel like the senior poll provides to players that maybe not a lot of other showcases or, or interviews quite do as much as? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, over the years, the combine is, is takes on such a big stage because, uh, you know, the NFL network presence and uh, it's really been built up as this spectacle. But um, I really think smart teams have, have went away from like the on-field evaluation and putting too much into that. Um, I know, the teams that I was a part of over the years, that's where we made some of our biggest mistakes is, uh, you know, watching guys running around in shorts and T-shirts and uh, overvaluing that. Um, so really what the combine has become for, for a lot of teams, I, I think for the smarter teams, is what it was initially formed to do. And that's that's get medical information, get get the, uh, you know, the medical testing done and get your your doctors down there and your, your training staffs and really get your hands on these players. Um so that's, you know, that's the value there. And, and also there's a lot of, hand, you know, there's a lot of in-face in interviews at the Combine as well. But, you know, the value of our week is it's real football. It's the best of the best from around college football, competitive, competitive environment, competitive periods, you know, a lot of the one-on-one -on -one stuff, nine on seven, seven on seven. Um, the coaching staffs that come down and coach our game do a great job of creating those, you know, periods during practice to really, put those guys against each other and, and let the best man win. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge takeaway. I always, I always saw it even before I took this job. And that's the reason why I took this job was because I see, I really see the value of this game and what it means from it, you know, from an evaluation standpoint for these guys, you know, not just the small school guys, but even the guys in the power fives. I mean, you got guys like Alex Leatherwood this year from Alabama. He saw pass rushers this, you know, this year down here in Mobile that he didn't see in the SEC this year. It wasn't a great edge group, edge rush group this year in the SEC. So um, all the players get something out of it. And I know the teams uh, put a lot of value in it as well. Yeah. Last year was somewhat of a normal and, you know, we're speaking relatively now because we know the, the process kind of got chopped in half. Um, but you guys did have a senior bowl last year. There was an NFL combine. Uh, 
you had a full season of game film and we know that there's been a major impact on that this year across every single level of it. Um, how do you feel that really all sides of it have adjusted to that so far? And do you think that that might, you know, increase the volatility of, you know, what the hit rates are on some of these draft picks, especially some of the guys who are kind of, you know, right on the edge there. Yeah. There, there's just a lot more unknowns. And I think the biggest difference between last year's cycle and this year's cycle was Last year, scouts were on the road all fall. You know, there was guys through Ann Arbor every day in, in you know, in the building watching the, watching the Michigan players and guys up in, in East Lansing every day. Well, that didn't happen this year. You know, there was, there, the schools were, you know, set up Zoom calls and they would get all the staff members on there. A lot of times, you know, position coaches and obviously the anchor sources, the trainers, the strength coach, um, academic folks. And they were gracious, gracious enough to let our staff be a part of those Zooms. So we were we were on those and, and as, you know, as, as great as that was for the schools to do that, it's not to the same level as if you were walking down the hallway at a school and knock on the offensive line coach's door and shut the door behind you and just have a one-on-one -on -one talk with, with him about a particular offensive lineman. You're not going to get the same level of in, information or the same level of candor um, if you're on a Zoom call with 80 people. So, you know, I think that, you know, the, the teams feel like they're way behind right now in terms of knowing the person um, they've had a lot of time to sit back and watch the tape. Um, and there were some conferences that were really affected. I mean, the PAC 12, a lot of those schools played four games. So you got to weed through that. Like how much do we value 2020 tape in a weird chopped up year as opposed to their junior film. Um, and then also, you know, just the, just knowing the person, that's the hardest part of the draft process for these teams is, you know, watching the tape is the easier part, the longer you do it. The harder part is figuring out what these guys are going to be like as pros, you know, with a lot more money and a lot more time on their hands, um, you know, and a lot more pressure from family and outside sources to provide how they're going to, you know, how they're going to handle those things. So that's what the league's trying to get, you know, really get a grip on right now is, is these guys as, as people moving forward. Yeah. And with, with all of that, with it being such an adjusted process from an NFL front office side of things, you know, we've seen just, for, you know, a recent example here, um, you know, a team like uh, a team like the Lions who just traded Matthew Stafford for that big haul that they're going to get for him didn't get the first round pick this year. Like maybe they were a lot of people were kind of hoping for to maybe accelerate things. You know, if you're a rebuilding team a little bit quicker than that, do you think there's any validity to the thought process that, you know, maybe some of these first round picks or, or some of these draft picks in general this year, um, teams might be willing to punt them a little bit more down the road and get something now because the process is altered so much. Um, I think that's, you know, just team to team philosophy. I think mm -hmm. the teams that really believe in their scouting process on the college side, they're going to want as many picks as possible. Um, you know, and, and again, that's just some teams, some teams want to build more through trades and free agency and, and others want to build more through the draft. I'm more of a draft guy. I think you, sure you really have to build through the draft and supplement through trades and free agency. It's to me, it's hard to build a culture um, just bringing in a bunch of uh, high priced free agent signings. Mm. But uh, so, yeah, I think it's just going to depend on, on the team. Right. So there were plenty of opt-outs this season for plenty of reasons, health and safety concerns, all of that type of stuff that that ground has been plowed pretty thoroughly to this point. And we've seen things like that before to a much lesser extent with guys sitting out bowl games and, things like that. Um, how, how does someone, how does a front office person 
or someone involved in this process, how do you vet and, and weigh whether or not that might affect a player's stock or not? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a layered question, but you know, I'll say this, you got to take each case individually and look mm -hmm. at, look at, you know, the why and the how and, and how it all came down. Um, this year's especially delicate because of COVID. I mean, I think you really have to be sensitive to why some of these guys opted out. A lot of it was family reasons or family health reasons. Um, so yeah, I know every team's looking at, looking at each guy through a, a different lens, but you know, going back to like opting out of bowl games, that was, you know, whatever it was, seven, eight, nine years ago when McCaffrey came out and he was the first player to opt out of a bowl game. I mean, I was working for the Seahawks at the time and, and the league was very critical of that decision for him to kind of, you know, back then we looked at it always oh, bailing on his teammates, you know, so we, everyone, the league took a hard edge towards that. That has significantly softened over the years. Um, I don't think anyone begrudges a player enough for opting out of the bowl game. And I'll just bring it back to like the senior bowl case, my first year at the game with Michigan, you know, they had six or seven seniors opt out of that peach bowl against Florida. The only guy that, that the only senior that stayed in the game committed was Chase Winovich. Well, he hurts his foot in the, in the bowl game, which was essentially like his 54th or 55th game at Michigan really had no bearing on his, on his NFL draft status. Well, he gets hurt. He can't play in the senior bowl. He had an opportunity to be here for a week in front of 32 decision makers from, from all 32 teams. And, and he really missed out. I mean, Chase probably should have went in the late first round. He ended up going in the third, um, you know, so he, he, he cost himself quite a bit. Fans want these guys to be loyal, but they don't see the other side, all the money that Chase, a guy like Chase lost out on that scenario. So, um, you know, I think the next layer of it will be when a guy opts out of the college football playoff. We haven't seen that yet. There hasn't been a player that's that like is helping his team try to win a championship opt out. So that's kind of the next layer. But, but in terms of like this year and guys decision to opt out or stay in um, that, you know, those are conversations for the interview process. Right. And there were a number of teams just aside from opt outs too. you sort of hit on it with the PAC 12, the big 10 played the, those two conferences played pretty much less than anyone else, not named, you know, North Dakota state this past fall. So, you know, with the limited amount of games on tape um, from this past year with some of these guys um, that either were in the senior bowl or weren't how with, so, there's just so many factors in play with why certain teams played the way they did. Michigan's a team that kind of had a, a crazy, a bad season out of nowhere. It happened with a couple other teams this year. Uh, a couple guys that decided to stay and didn't opt out, didn't, maybe didn't have the, the years they were hoping for. How does the limited amount of games and just maybe the mental side of, you know, we're on, we're off, we're on, we're off. How do you think that's going to weigh into the evaluations? Yeah. The whole yo-yoing nature of the season is really, really hard to get a handle on. We, you know, we sent, we sent a scout to um, Tallahassee, which is only about three, three and a half hours from Mobile here um, three times this fall only to get there and the game be canceled on Saturday morning. So imagine if you're a football player yeah. and you've been watching to, you've been staying up late, watching tape all week. You've been going through practice. You actually make the trip um, to the, to the school you're going to play and, and you don't play the game. So it was uh, it was a taxing year mentally on all these players. And, you know, a lot of schools because of the chopped up nature the players couldn't really get into a flow. Um, it was hard for them to focus. I mean, it's uh, that's why I think teams are really trying to measure do we weigh 2019 tape more than, than 2020? Um, to me, it's almost like if you have a great 2020 and you make that jump, 
um, it's almost like bonus points in my mind. I mean, if you went through the spring, the other, the other part of it is over the summer through the quarantine, these guys couldn't work out at the facility every day. So they had to be really creative. I mean, just talking to guys in our game, you know, they would get, they would try to go to their local high school and work out with some other guys and they'd get kicked off the field by the police, you know, so they're, they're lifting weights in their gym, in their, in their garage at home, or, you know, just having to be really creative. So if you can make a jump in a weird off season like that, and a lot of guys did, a lot of guys tape was significantly better this year than the year before. I think that's, that's like a feather in their cap and they should almost, yeah, like bonus points is the best way I can say it. Um, you know, if they can figure that out in a weird year to get better, um, to me, that says something about them as individuals. Yeah. So do you think those guys are more unicorns compared to maybe some of the other um, guys, maybe on the edge in this, in this cycle? No, I, I really think that uh, you see a lot of the maturity, like these guys are all getting it a lot quicker. Um, you know, I got into scouting about 25 years ago um, and just the level of maturity that the players have nowadays um, is, is pretty remarkable. So for them to get through the year, figure it out, no structure um, um, just speaks to today's athlete. I think that really they're, they're more than you think. I mean, there was a lot of guys this year that played their way into the senior bowl um, based off their junior tape, we would not have invited them. And they got, they took such big jumps this year um, that they played their way in. And it, it, again, that just speaks to their passion for football and their work ethic and just their, their competitive nature, all the stuff that you're looking for. If you're, you know, an NFL front office trying to draft players. I mean, I think a lot of guys showed their football character this off season. Yeah. Well, like we said before in the open, you are a Michigan guy. Uh, Michigan had, I believe it was five guys there this year that, that, Seems right to me. I believe that Ambry Thomas was the only one that actually played in the game, but you got to look at a lot of those guys throughout the week. No, was they there... all played. Ambry Did they played, all play? Nico played, Chris Evans played, Ben Mason played, and Cheeseman. They all played. Okay. The box. Okay. I see the box score here was not as updated as it should have been. Okay. That's my bad. But uh, so good. you saw them in the game. You saw them throughout the week. Uh, was there a guy that um, you know, I don't want to get into comparing and contrasting, but was, was there a guy that you were most impressed with, um, whether it was by his performance in that game or just whether how he carried himself throughout the, you know, the days leading up to the event? Um, I'll start with Nico and Ambry, two opt-out guys. Um, they came came in and, and really, um, Ambry was a little rusty day one and it had a really good second and third day of practice. Um, Nico looked like a different player than he did at Michigan. You know, he weighed it, he weighed in down here at 215 pounds, which he was up to 230 at Michigan. So he looked very different than 2019 Michigan tape, a lot twitchier, faster, um, same guy that's making plays on the ball and, and doing those things, but release is much quicker, better at the top of the route. Um, Nico had a great week. Ben Mason's just a complete stud of a human being. Um, there's a reason why he was a captain there just the way he handles himself, carries himself around, around the other guys, physical, extremely physical. It's happy for Ben. He could really show off what he could do in the passing game, caught the belt, caught the ball. Well, really, really well all week. Um, and then Chris Evans is, I think going to be a really good story coming out of this week. Um, you know, we, we, we invite players based off their talent, not their production always. And, and everyone, all Michigan fans know, you know, Chris was kind of log jam there with, with Charbonnet and Haskins and, um, you know, didn't get the run he would have wanted and uh, came down here and where, where he's really, where Chris is really good is in the past game. Um, so out of the backfield, detached routes, getting open, catching the ball naturally, 
he showcased all that stuff. So it's going to be really cool come April that a guy that was was essentially the third stringer at Michigan um, is going to get drafted and be on an NFL football field next fall contributing. And then uh, in Cheeseman opted out as well. You got an opt out long snapper um, came down here and did an awesome job. And and I really rely on the specialist gurus for our kickers, punters, snappers. And uh, Cam was a guy that came highly recommended by all those guys that handle those camps and do all those things. Uh, we basically take the top two recommendations between that, between them and the NFL um, teams. You know, that's one thing about this job that I really enjoy. I don't have to watch special teams tape much anymore. I'm the specialist <laughs> guys. Um, no, no scout ever will tell you that he likes watching kickers, punters, snappers. Sure. Um, but, but Cam did a great job as well. Yeah, and I figured out what it was. Uh, I was on the Senior Bowl Wikipedia page. So kids, the kids at home, that's a lesson. Wikipedia, not a source, uh, always for good <laughs> info. But um, I took a couple of fan questions here, um, let some people know that we were going to be talking to you. And you sort of hit on it, you know, talking about uh, Nico already. And so I'll just dive into that one here. Um, a, a fan of ours asked, this is from our buddy Venom in, the, in our Discord chat. He has, you know, how does production in college matter versus – you know, potential ceiling and the measurables, you know, Nico's Nico's production, you know, he was, I'll stop short of calling him a one trick pony, but the thing he did really well at Michigan was finding himself open down the field or making things happen down the field, whether it be by a deep ball or, you know, by drawing a pass interference penalty, but and it's, it's no secret about it. And it's not dogging anyone. I, I think there have been some quarterback inconsistencies at Michigan that doesn't allow for a guy like that to maybe to reach that ceiling right off the bat. So um, how much does that work against him against a guy with, you know, who's maybe, maybe not quite as talented, but it put up the big numbers in college. Yeah. It's, it's, it's way more about the physical traits of a player than it is production. You know, production is relying on so many other things. Like you're saying, you're saying a, a receiver, you know, it is about the quarterback. It is about the lines ability to protect the quarterback. It is about scheme. It is about coaching. Um, there's such thing as bad coaching, and I'm not talking about Michigan, but just in general. Um, you look back at, at certain situations of players that have had better pro careers than college careers, and it's because they just weren't being used right at the college level. So um, it's all of it, it, to me, it's about potential. Yeah, you want to see production, but there's a lot of guys in college that are products of the system. You know, there's guys that catch 100 balls in college that never catch a ball in the NFL. So I know it's, it's real easy to look at the stat sheet and say, oh, this guy's going to be great. But it, it's, it's a height, weight, speed league, um, and it's all about ceiling and upside. And then the, football, then the football character part of it. You know, like guys are big, fast, and strong, and they work hard, and they're tough, and they're competitive. Like they're going to figure out a way to be, to be a good pro player. Um, so it's, it's way more about the physical potential of a player than it is about his production. So I've got another fan question here. Uh, this one, you, you hit on Ben Mason. We're throwing it back here. We're going to talk about fullbacks in the NFL. Um, we've seen teams go to this, you know, everyone says it's a passing league now, and, and you're not going to find anyone that's going to argue that. But there are still teams that like to, you know, ha hammer the, hammer the, you know, hammer the run game. Uh, you know, the full, people will call fullbacks a dying breed. I don't necessarily buy that, but. Uh, one of our questions here uh, is about a guy like Ben Mason. I mean, given the attitude that we've seen at Michigan, you know, since he's been there, the attitude that you saw in that week, how do you feel about him as a guy that's, you know, going to have a shot to stick in the league? The guy, I mean, you, you think about, you know, last couple of weeks, we see a guy like Dan Campbell go viral for saying he wants a team that's going to chew off some kneecaps. 
Ben Mason kind of seems like a guy that uh, would fit that mold. And, you know, there's a couple teams out there like that, that um, kind of live by that philosophy there. Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a, a dying breed position, uh, but there are certainly teams that still like to use a fullback. I mean, San Francisco does a great job, Baltimore, Seattle. Um, I, I still think there's a home for those guys, but the key thing for fullbacks is can they play on special teams? They have to. Um, if you, you know, when I, my last couple of years in Seattle, we were averaging, you know, the full, a true fullback role in the backfield, maybe seven, eight snaps a game. So you can't just you can't dress a guy on your 45, uh, 45 men active roster on Sunday if he's only playing eight snaps. So you got to contribute on special teams, which is really going to help Ben, because not only has he done it at Michigan, he's done it at a really high level. I think one of my first tweets ever was Ben running down on a kickoff and, you know, blowing up like three dudes before he made the tackle. Um <laughs> But no, it's, you know, and you got to be able to catch the ball. You just can't be a hammerhead either. I mean, you got to be able to leak out of the backfield, catch it um, and provide versatility. And I think where, where Ben's concerned, you know, he did play some defensive line at Michigan. I think, I think you have to be open-minded with, with like having a three-way player that way. I think Patrick Ricard at Baltimore is a perfect example. They get reps out of him at fullback, D-line, special teams. Um, so you can really save yourself a roster spot, you know, if you have a guy that can do all that stuff. So, um, you know, Ben being a captain at Michigan, and I'm sure he interviewed great down here at the teams. I haven't got a ton of feedback yet, but just with our interactions and people I know in Ann Arbor that have been around him, um, he's going to add to any locker room. He sounds he sounds like he's going to be definitely be one of Dan Campbell's guys he's going to want on his team. <laughs> um, so we talk about Chris Evans, too, a guy that you think has a chance to kind of be a good story. And, and that's I, I see that, too. I mean, it's not often you see um, and, and we know he set out last year, but guys who was a fifth year senior who you feel like there's still quite a bit of tread left on those tires. But despite that, you don't see a lot of, and it's still early in the process too. You go through and look at some of these mocks. You don't see a ton of Chris Evans love before the sixth or seventh round. And, and to me, he looks like, a you know, he reminds me a lot of a guy you talk about Seattle. Um, I, I do. I see kind of some Chris Carson do his game. Um, what do you think about, you know, is it just an opportunity thing for him or do you think he's going to get on a roster somewhere and make a difference? Yeah, I do. I think Chris is going to get drafted. I think he's going to make a team. Um, just this was the first time I was ever really around Chris and, and got to see him physically. He's way bigger than I thought he was. You know, I, I'll see what he weighed in at here. I got my depth chart in front of me here from, from last week. I'm trying to remember what he weighed in at. Um, Ben Mason, Ben Mason was 256 pounds. My God. Um, yeah, we had, we had Chris on the other team. Yeah. So Chris was 219 pounds. He's got 10, he's got, he's got 10 inch hands. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about opportunity with Chris. And again, he got on the field early at Michigan and it just never really materialized into much more. I'll tell you this. Uh, when we posted something on Twitter about him last summer, I had four NFL teams text me, buddies from the NFL text me, and they were they were not happy that I, you know, started to pump Chris Evans out there because that was their guy, that was their sleeper guy. So spilled the, the beans, league's Jim. What's that? I said you spilled the beans, Jim. I spilled the beans on Chris Evans. No, but <laughs> but the league's more than aware of him. Um, you don't find two hundred twenty pound guys that can that can detach his route runners and get open and catch the ball down the field as naturally as he does. So he's. He's kind of that positionless player that the league wants to go to on both sides of the ball. Like you can move them all around, um, you know. So again, I think Chris is going to be. This happens every year when you're in draft meetings. 
you inevitably have scouts describe guys as this guy's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. Mm -hmm. And I think Chris Evans is going to be a great example of that. Great. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan for six years now. There won't go too far down the rabbit hole, but there are people that would argue that a lot of these guys that he's sent to the NFL have, have kind of flourished a little more in the NFL than they did at Michigan. Something we've we're not going to end on this note, Anthony, you are not, you are not no, asking me. I'm going to, I'm turn, about- I'm going to turn it into a positive watch. <laughs> I, what I'm going to ask you is when you have gotten a Jim Harbaugh coached player to come play at the senior bowl, what are traits of those guys that have really stood out to you and something that set them up for success at that next level? I was going to yeah, turn it around. See? Yeah, they're, 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 they're very mature guys. They're grown-ups. Um, and it's not just because I'm a, a Michigan grad. All the guys in the office and all our, our office staff say the same thing. The Michigan guys, the Notre Dame guys have been off the charts in my three years here. We, we've had some, you know, Ann Arbor's finest, Dalen Hayes and um, Adi Ogundeji from Detroit. I think we had seven Detroit area players in the game this year that weren't Michigan guys. But um, so there's certain schools that when you get them down here, you realize – you know, the type of program they're coming from, you know, they, they're responsive on text, responsive on calls, um, easy to communicate with on time for everything. And it just speaks to the, the program that, that they've built there at, at, in Ann Arbor. And these guys are, that's why these guys have become good pros because they hit the ground running. The NFL is, is very impatient now. They, you know, it used to be where you'd give a guy three or four years to kind of, you know, get his bearings and learn how to be a pro. Like you better come to the league, like knowing how to be a pro these days. And, and these Michigan guys have all shown they can do that. See, I wasn't going to make you end on a negative. No, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all I have for you, Jim. Uh, I guess the the last, as we kind of get you out of here, what, now that the senior bowl's done, where does your focus turn? Is it to next year already? Uh, Are you advising on some of these guys that you just worked with? How does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, advising just like friends calling and asking how these guys were behind the scenes during the week, that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm really turning my focus to uh, my role at ESPN, which I'll be starting up here in a couple of weeks after I take a, a quick vacation. Um, I haven't gotten out of Mobile since the game. But, uh, uh, yeah, starting on the ESPN stuff, I got to get caught up on the speed on a bunch of the juniors that weren't eligible to play in the game, like the junior quarterback, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and Justin Fields and those guys. Um and then we're, we're, we're getting ready to turn the page on the, uh, the 2022 senior bowl as well. Well, we'll strip the board clean and, and the uh, scouting assistants in house. will start watching next year's group. Awesome. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and hopefully down the road here, we can have you back and um, we will pump up those Michigan guys a little bit more. Sounds good, Anthony. Yeah. I'd love to come on anytime. All right, and we do thank Jim Nagy for his time. Again, I thought that was a really good chat. Guy that we'll definitely have back on soon uh, when when the time calls for it. See if we can get him on before the draft. I know he's gonna, he's about to be really busy with this ESPN stuff, but you know I do think that he you know has as much insight as a lot of people in this industry when it comes to that process. So uh, given that the draft process is the bridge from the guys that we watch in the NFL or the, the guys that we watch in college. And we, you know, this is a pretty big step in their journey to the NFL. Uh, I thought it was a, a worthy discussion to have, and we'll definitely have him back. So you can follow him on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website at Maze and Brew on Twitter. 
where wherever you get your shows, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those places, and really quick because it has come up, I am aware for some reason right now, something's off with the Google podcast uh, thing. I believe if you click on it, it takes you to SB Nation's New York Islanders podcast feed. There's a ticket in there. I'm trying to get it figured out. I know it's been a problem for a while. Um, bear with us there. But for the meantime, I say you can listen wherever you get your shows. We're still on Apple Podcasts. We're still on Spotify, Stitcher, all of those places too. So definitely check us out there. Uh, check out the Discord server, which I will post the link to that in the description for the show. Again, uh, thanks for your time. I think it was a good chat. And we'll be back Sunday. I'll be back with Chris Castellani talking about the return of Michigan basketball for um, our Monday basketball podcast. So again, thanks for your time. Talk to you again soon.